morning. Yeah. More people coming, I'm sure. Hallelujah. together and so that's what we're doing here we're coming together to strengthen one another to hear his word and to be encouraged in him so Karen well, I just want to say thank you Lord for your word and I'm just going to pray Psalm 46 you God you are our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble therefore we will not fear, mm. though the earth give way. Mm. <laughs> there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Say, we will not thank fear. You, thank you, Lord. We will not fear. Mm. And the last verse I want to emphasize here is, be still. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And the um, song we're going to sing is about love divine. And you know that God is love. And he, Jesus said to us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So that's what we do and will do today and every day by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Why don't we stand? Love divine. Ready? Love divine, all love's excelling. Joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling. All thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion. For unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation.
Amen. Welcome, welcome. Good to have you with us this morning. Good to have you with us too, people who are not in the room, uh, home, joining us live or later on. Uh, we're happy to have you with us as well. A couple quick announcements. Uh, there's an email sign-up sheet if you want to be on the mailing list. It's on the uh, credenza in the back, uh, along with name tags and such. Um, the offering box is up here on the mantle. Is that a mantle? And hearth, the beautiful brick thing that you could have a fire in, but we're not going to right now because it would kill Blake. Um, so go ahead and drop that off if you uh, are so moved at some point at the end today. Thank you for the whole six foot thing and the mask thing. We appreciate that. And we're going to continue to not let the craziness of this world get us down and make us afraid, as Paul and Karen were saying earlier, amen, because we're not called to fear, we are called to peace and joy in the Lord. We will be having Zoom fellowship after the service today, so if you are home and you would like to join us for that, go ahead and log in. The information is on the website, lydiahousechurch.org, and I will be logging in to say hi to you as well afterwards. We do need some help with tech and also greeter. So if that's something you're interested in doing, go ahead and let me know about that. And also, November 7th and 14th, we're going to be having some events. Did you want to say anything about that, Paul? Did you want to say anything about the 7th and the 14th? 7th and the 14th. Did you want to say anything about it? Uh, yes. I would love to say something about it. We would love to have Lydia Peace and Lydia Peace involved in it. We're very excited. We feel that God is opening the door to revival and we're to walk through. And this is one way to walk through, to have meetings together. Nate's on the team. There are five of us. And we look forward to a great two Saturday mornings. Great. Including Greg Berglund, who spoke last week here. Yeah. Karen, could you come up for just one second with Paul? With Paul. And so those are going to be great events. It's at Redeeming Love in the morning, Saturday, the 7th and 14th of November. And we'll remind you of that again. And this is a Pastoral Appreciation Month. Did anybody know that? Whoa. KTAS told me. Uh, wow. So. And you're a pastor. And I'm a pastor. I. I, I spend my time appreciating others. Okay, we'll take it. So, Paul and Karen, we just want to reiterate, as we should every week, how much we appreciate you guys for everything that you do, for giving us your home, for not charging us rent. There are so many hey, that's things. That's a great idea. To be I never thought of that. I didn't realize you had just not <laughs> thought of it. Uh, never mind then. No, just, no <laughs> yeah. we, we really appreciate you, and we want to honor you guys for everything that you do. So, thank you. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much. That feels good. You know, you, you taught me what it is to have a gift of hospitality, Karen. And I really appreciate that. Good. We should pass it on. That's what discipleship is. Amen? We pass on what we've learned. So thank you. You're dismissed. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll receive that as well. Um, I'd like to spend a few minutes in prayer uh, before we go back into worship. Um, I have one sad announcement, which is... Um, Pastor Dowson, who is our partner in Uganda uh, for Harvest Water Africa, you know, we've had a tough year here in America, right? It's been rough with the virus and the lockdowns and everything, but it's nothing compared to the way it's been in places like Uganda. It's been really catastrophic there. 
and Pastor Dowson has been working tirelessly to help keep people alive. And it's been a really tough year. And then last week, he lost his little sister. Uh, and so as the eldest son in the family, it's his responsibility to organize. He, there's 10 kids uh, in his family. He's the eldest of 10. And he's kind of in charge of the family because of that. So he has to organize everything and get everything ready. And it's, it's a rough thing during the middle of a rough year. So I'd like us to please pray for Pastor Dowson and his family as they go through that loss. And pray for Uganda in general. Why don't, why don't we do that? And then I'll mention the next thing we'd like to pray for. Just go ahead and shout out a prayer if you have something on your heart. Supernatural comfort, Father, through your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for all the logistical things that can be very difficult for a wedding, especially with so many family members involved, that you could just really bless that and bring peace to the whole situation. I pray that there wouldn't be any bickering or fighting, uh, but that people could come together and love each other and remember their sister, their mother, their family member who has gone on to be with you. And I pray that you would bring comfort. Lord, the scripture says that you comfort those who grieve. And so we pray that for Pastor Dowson and his whole family. And we pray that you continue to bless him and the work he's doing there to save people's lives during this time of uh, an extreme lack of money and lack of food and that you would bless all the farms that have been planted, 200 banana farms. Pray that you would bless those just supernaturally, that they continue to produce food for everybody in the area and for the big farm there by the school um, on Pastor Dowson's property. We pray that you would bless that as well and continue to expand that territory and that influence in Jesus' name. Also want to pray for our leaders of this country, Father God. We pray for our leaders as you command us to in the Bible. Pray that you give them wisdom and that you would help them to take time to stop and listen to you and not just to the wisdom of their own heads. Pray that you'd lead them and guide them in the way that this country needs to go. And we do pray about the elections coming up. We're going to spend more time praying about that next week as it's the last Sunday before the elections. But we pray for the elections. The, the country is really in a difficult spot right now. Uh, people are very divided and it, it breaks our hearts to look at the news sometimes and see what's happening in our nation. And so we just humbly ask you to help. We need your mercy in this country. Lord God, we need your mercy. We don't deserve it, but we do receive it in Jesus' name. And we here receive it on behalf of this nation, this state, and our people. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we pray that you would continue to move and continue to carry about your will so that we can expand your kingdom on earth. And help remind us, Lord, that we are here primarily as citizens of your kingdom, not as citizens of an earthly kingdom. It's easy, especially in days like this, to get distracted by what is really most important. But at the end of the day, Lord, we are sojourners, it says in your word. We're, we're all refugees in a strange land. And I pray that you would help to keep us in that mindset that we are only here for a short time. We don't know how many years we have, each of us, in our own lives. 
But however long we're here, it's short compared to eternity. And so I pray that you would help us to use it wisely, to invest it well in the people that you have put into our lives. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we prepare our hearts for worship now. Help us just to set everything aside that might be bothering us or that might be captivating our minds or our hearts, good things, bad things, whatever. We just set those aside now, Lord God, because we want to worship you with our whole heart and soul and mind and strength. And let's just take a minute to confess our sins before the Lord. Just a moment of silence to confess anything that we've done or haven't done that we should have. And Lord, we give thanks for all the things that you're doing in our lives right now. We give thanks, Lord. We give thanks for the fact that it's the last Sunday in October and it's like 20 degree wind chill and snow on the ground. We still thank you for that. Amen. We thank you, Lord, for everything that you do in our lives. I thank you for my daughter Bella's birthday that was this last week. I thank you for everything that you're doing. Go ahead and shout out a thanks, something you're thankful for. Just shout it through your mask. Thank you that we always have hope. And when we walk with you, the brightest days are always ahead of us, Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Still your mercy remains Should I stumble again Still I'm caught in your grace Everlasting Your light will shine when all else fades Never ending Your glory goes beyond all fame Well above all else My remains the art of losing myself in bringing you praise everlasting your light will shine when all else fades never ending your glory goes beyond all fame yeah. my heart and my soul I give you control Consume me from the inside out, Lord. Let justice and praise become my embrace. To love you from the inside out, everlasting. Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond all. Side out, Lord, my soul. 
consume me from the inside out, Lord. Let justice and praise become my embrace to love you from the inside out. Everlasting, your light will shine when all else fades. Never ending, your glory goes beyond all fame. And the cry of my heart is to bring you praise from the inside out, Lord, my soul. beyond all fame and the cry of my heart is to bring you praise from the inside out Lord my soul cries
Jesus, how I need you. Oh, how I love you. Jesus, how I love you. Oh, how I need you. Yes, Jesus, how I need you. Oh, your mercy rushing through me. Oh, how beautiful, how beautiful, love amazing, your love has saved me. Oh, how beautiful, how beautiful, oh, how As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Lord, we thank you that we abide in you, that we are in life union with you. Lord, I just pray that we would remember that and we would come to you. We would center ourselves in you because apart from you, we can do nothing. And it's high. 
the mountains that I face. And it's stronger than the power of the grave. It's constant in the trial and the change. This one thing remains. This one thing remains. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. And I never ever have to be afraid This one thing remains This one thing remains Your love never fails and never gives up Never runs out on me your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love. And it's higher than the mountains that I face. And it's stronger than the power of the This one thing 
never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up and never runs out on me. death, in life, I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. My debt is paid, there's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. In death, in life, I'm by the power of your great love. My debt is paid. There's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me, your love. We thank you that you never run out on us in the sense that of like a gas tank that never runs out, but also in the sense that you never leave and bail on us. We thank you for that, Lord. Some of us have maybe had people bail on them. And we thank you, Lord, that you never will. I want to pray for healing for anybody here who needs healing, uh, physical, mental, spiritual, any other way. Anybody need healing? Am I the only one? Laura? Great. Steve, you want to pray for Laura? And if, if you remember what we talked about last week in the sermon, like Jesus did and the disciples did, we can just say, command that thing to be healed and whatever it is. You don't need to do it on the mic if you don't want to, but you can. Okay. Uh, Heavenly Father, um, we thank you that you've uh, given us authority over d sickness and disease and, um, and told us to speak to it. And I speak to Laura's back to be healed. It's been injured since the summer, and it, and it needs to be healed. So back, 
be healed and in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can you pray that same thing for me, Steve? I got a bad back too. Just from there, go ahead. Go ahead and speak to my back to be healed as well. I need it too. Same thing. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, I pray that uh, reach your hand to Nate right now as we speak to his back. Back, be healed in Jesus' name. And all glory will go to the Lord for the healing. And Lord, we're, uh, we're not little children anymore that we need you to tie our shoes. We can do it ourselves according to you. So I'll take that authority and speak to Nate's back. Be healed and made whole in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That was a good analogy, Steve. <laughs> you know, Jesus... When he left, he gave us his authority to continue what it was that he was doing here. And too often, I think, we're like an ambassador. If the U.S. sends an ambassador to another country, and every time that ambassador wants to say something, they have to go and ask the president of the United States what to say, they're going to get fired because they don't understand their job. Their job is to go with the authority of the president and proclaim something, say something, negotiate something, do something, right? That's what an ambassador does. And the Bible says we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. So we've been given that authority already. It doesn't make sense for my daughter who's 10 to come to me and say, Dad, can I tie my shoes now so we can go? Of course you can tie your shoes. Tie them. Tie those shoes. You don't need my permission. I already gave it a long time ago when I said, let's go. (laughs) So God gave us not only permission, but authority and a mandate to do these things. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Wow. Cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. These, these sound like insane supernatural things, and they are supernatural. But he gave us the authority and the position to be a part of doing that and enacting his will on earth. And that's a huge responsibility, right? And I think we're really like kids in a way that we're just walking into the truth of all of that as the church. Because Jesus said, all these things that I did, you'll do and even greater things than that. How awesome is that, right? And so we're going to keep praying for healing. Somebody asked me a number of months ago, you know, Nate, why do we pray for healing every single week? It seems like nobody's getting healed. And my answer was, we're going to keep praying for healing every single week because nobody's getting healed. (laughs) Right? Maybe at some point we'll stop (laughs) if everybody's great. Although I doubt it because then more sick people will come and we're going to continue to pray for them because I think that's something that God's going to do here. Ruth, you have something to share? Testimonies are great. Testify. Okay. Well, Tim and I have been trying to practice this little baby step to practice over the week. Mm -hmm. And um, what night was it? Maybe it was yesterday morning. No. Anyway, a couple nights ago, a couple mornings ago, Carrie's dad texted me that he was in the hospital. Maybe it was a few days ago. He was in the hospital and there were blood clots. And they were worried about his heart. And they thought the clots were coming from his leg. Also, his sister was giving me updates. His, his oldest daughter was giving me updates. <laughs> I didn't know it was on camera. Anyway, so anyway, so when we were praying for, we, for him, we spoke to the clots and took authority that they would be dissolved and be gone in Jesus' name. And then the next day we got the praise report. They were doing tests and to, 
find out if there were clots in his legs and more clots. They thought it was all coming from his legs and going to his lungs. Next day when they did tests, there were no clots in his legs, there were no clots in his lungs. He was regaining wow. his strength. His echocardiograms were unchanged. Wow. His heart wasn't deteriorating. Ah, it was exciting. Like, oh. Wow, praise God. <laughs> praise God, isn't that awesome? And good job on you guys for obeying, because it, it, it takes a little bit of faith to step into that, right? It's a little risky. Oh, if I pray be healed and they're not healed, will that make me look stupid or, or something like that? We have to be willing to look stupid. Well, we were right? long distance, so they didn't even know how we were praying. Oh, yeah. No. Well, good job. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, we had, a, we had an experience this week, too, of healing. Um, I'm not going to steal the thunder because it's my kids. Two of my kids prayed for the other kid to be healed, and she was. I'm going to let them testify next week. But... Um, God is doing stuff. Somebody was healed last week in the service. Pastor Greg Berglund prayed for them afterwards. And so God is on the move. Amen. Things are stirring. Things are moving. And so we, we thank you for that, Lord. And we pray, do it. Whatever it is that you want to do in our land and in our day, do it. Places are on fire. People are going nuts. We need your help, God. And we know that we do not trust in chariots and horses. We don't trust in kings and kingdoms of this world. We trust in you. You are the only one who can bring us out. And not only are you powerful in that way, but you are good. It's so much better to have someone who's powerful and good than powerful and maybe not as much. So we thank you for your goodness and for your power. And we thank you for your love. That despite being the author of the entire universe, you love each of us as individuals. It's hard to believe sometimes because it sounds too good to be true. It sounds so amazing. But we thank you that it is true and that you are that amazing. Yeah. We thank you that in your word it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yes. Give him a shot and he'll prove himself to you. Pray that you would bless Paul as he shares this morning. Thank you for his life, for his preparation, for everything that you've done in him. We thank you that he is like all of us, a legacy and a product of generations and training and work <laughs> and suffering and all the other things. And so we bless him in Jesus' name, and we pray that you would make our hearts open to receive from you today. Amen. Amen. And we got some kiddos here. I want to talk to the kiddos first. Children, come on up. Okay, here's one in a beautiful tie. Wow, you look good. Man, that's really nice. And let me, let me see. Your, your tie matches your... your uh, yeah, that's cool. Oh, my! Did you make this? Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. Well, it's, it says, love. Can you all see it back? Yeah. Wow. So, what is your favorite food? Do you have a favorite food? That you... What was it? Bacon. Bacon.
Raise your hand if you really like bacon. That, that's, a, that's a favorite of a lot of people. Why is bacon so good? My. Bacon makes things taste better. What do you think my favorite food is? <laughs> well, no, I like something even better than bacon. And I'll tell you what it is and why I like it. T-bone steak. I like T-bone steak. And the reason why I like it is because when I used to play basketball, I remember my dad one night before the game cooking me T-bone steak. I knew that was his favorite. And that night, it was going to become my favorite. And then he sat down with me, and we talked about the game together. It made me love two things. What do you think it made me love? T-bone and my dad. My dad. I, all, I of course, loved him before that. But I knew that that was his favorite, and he shared his favorite with me. Now, did he have to make me T-bone every, every Friday night or every Tuesday night? Did, he ha did I make him do that? No. It was a special time. And sometimes God gives us special times. Do you know what word we use for that? Revival. Revival. Special times that God gives us. It's to do something in our hearts to cause us to love God more. Maybe we've loved him less and now we're going to love him more. But revival needs to go into revival. <laughs> Is that a word? <laughs> revival helps us to appreciate revival. <laughs> so we're, we're, we get a special thing, like God gives us a special thing. Do you ever go on vacations or anything like that? Do you ever have a special time? Yes, Okay, you do. And then you say to your dad, now we have to go on vacation all the time. We have to just stay on vacation all the time. Nothing else, just vacation. No, that wouldn't be right. So God does some special things. I'm going to talk today. You listen. You can listen. I'm going to talk about some special times that God gave some people T-bone steak. And it made them love him more. And they didn't say, no, you got to give it to us all the time. But he's going to do that here in this city. And so, Father, we pray that you'll give us revival that we can live in Bible. In Jesus' name. Hey, I invented a new word. Whoa. Okay. Thank you. So I'm going to do it backwards today. I'm going to give you my points of what I'm talking about before I tell you the stories. I'm going to tell you the application. I've never done it this way before, but there's a reason I'm going to do it. I think it's going to be help you to, uh, for this uh, message to stick. And then I'm going to tell you some stories about revival. Some of them you've heard. I preached about a year ago on revival, and I'll tell some of the same stories. 
Maybe you forgot them. And you need to hear them again, and I'll tell a couple new ones too. So there are three things that I want you to get. And if you're taking notes, I'll speak real slowly so you can get it. Revival is about little people. Say that. All the people that I'm going to talk to you, you'll see, are little people. God uses little people like you and me to do great things. He doesn't choose great people. And these people are little. So the first little people you're going to hear about is Leroy, I mean, William Seymour. Say the name. William How many have heard of him before? Yes. Okay, a few of you have read stories about revival then. He's not a very well-known person. And when I think of Azusa Street, I didn't used to think about William Seymour. Yeah. But now I do because I know what he did. And he was a little person. Larry Christensen became known around the world for his work with Renewal. You know that he had, had a little church? My friend Mark Anderson came out to California to see us, and I took him to our church down the street, and he says, this is it? <laughs> and I said, yeah. <laughs> he expected some big church because Larry was famous. Now, Larry was a little person. And God picked him out and said, I'm going to do something through you. Chuck Smith, raise your hand if you've heard of Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith was a pastor of a church. How big was the church that he was pastoring before revival came? It was a little church of 65. It was a four-square church. It was in Costa Mesa, the city I lived in, and it was a little church, and I never knew of Chuck Smith. I didn't know his wife, Kay, until God did something that grew that church from 65 to 25,000. That's when we hear of Chuck Smith, when God steps in and does something with a little person. Peggy and Christine were little people. Duncan Campbell was famous, and he came and brought revival to the Hebrides Islands. But in heaven, it records Peggy and Christine. Little people who couldn't even leave their home because Peggy was blind and Christine was an invalid. And there were little people that teamed up with God and God did something great. Do you know what day it is today? What, what day we're celebrating? Reformation. And it caught me off guard, but it's, it's Reformation Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and Martin Luther, was he a big person? Was he a famous person? Not at the time. Not at the time. But I took a class in history at UCLA, and they talked about Martin Luther. Because he changed history. This was a secular class. And they said what Martin Luther did. He was a little person. And God looks for little people to do big things. Lydia House, it's a little church. Mate, Nate, we got a little church. Praise the Lord. God does great things through little people in little places like little churches. Second thing, 
I'm going to say the whole thing. You can't bring revival without God, and he doesn't bring revival without you. This is very interesting to me. God has never staged a revival all by himself. Always, he uses people to make it happen. Always. That you got this story of Jonah, this crazy guy who's running from God, and he goes after him. Why did he, go, why didn't he say, I'm done with him. I'll do it myself. Because God doesn't do it himself. There's a, a spectacular verse. It's an incredible verse to me. It's 1 Corinthians 3.9. Do you know what we're called in 1 Corinthians 3.9? We're called, try, guess it, co- That doesn't make sense. We're co-workers with God. Well, that's team up. Who are you teaming up with? God. He's my partner in this ministry. We're co-workers with God. God is willing to say, Karen, you're, you're my co-worker. I'll work with you. Steve, you're my co-worker. Guy, you're my co-worker. Let's, let's work together. He doesn't do revival alone. Ever. Number three. There are often, we often see two groups in revival that God brings. One group are those who talk to God about people. And the other group, they talk to people about God. Nate gave a great message a couple weeks ago about the Great Awakenings. Have you ever heard of, raise your hand if you've heard of Charles Finney. Okay. Raise your hand if you've heard of Daniel Nash. Okay. Charles Finney so depended upon Daniel Nash, who didn't talk to people about God very much, but he talked to God often about people. He would go to the centers two weeks ahead of time and cry out to God for that place. He did it so much that one time he was in a cellar and someone came by and said to Charles, I think you better pay attention to something because somebody's down in the cellar and they're sick. And he smiled and he said, no, that's Daniel. He's praying. And Chuck, Charles uh, Finley depended on him so much that when Daniel Nash died, Finney left and went back to pastoral ministry. He quit doing revival meetings. He couldn't depend, he, he couldn't get, get along without him. So he said, I, I, I can't do it without Daniel. That's how important. He was a nobody. No one knew him. But God knew him. He was known in heaven because he prayed. So there are two groups. Which, which one are, would you say you are more comfortable with? There are two groups, talking to people about God and, or talking to God about people. How many would say that you're more comfortable, that you find yourself more talking to God about people? Mm -hmm. How many, yeah, some of you do both. How many talk to people about God? How many enjoy like that? Good. Okay, good deal. Good. Okay, so now I'm going to tell you some stories. And you got the application already. And we're going to set them, you can set it in as I tell you these stories. And I'm going to tell you, uh, I'll just see how it goes and how much I get done with. Uh, I'll maybe go 15 minutes of stories and then we'll quit. So, 
<coughs> William Seymour was a 34-year-old, one-eyed African-American, known to nobody, known to Charlie, Charles Parham, who was well-known in Pentecostal circles. He was a leader, and uh, he was discipling William Seymour. William came to Los Angeles from Topeka, Kansas, because he had preached on the Holy Spirit that he had not experienced, and they thought he was doing a good job and thought he should go out and be at the church of Miss Hutchins. So he came out, Parham gave him some money to help him get out, and he preached, 34-year-old, one-eyed, African-American Seymour. And uh, he hadn't experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It went okay, and then he came back the next Sunday, and the place was locked. The fact that he hadn't experienced what he talked about, Miss Hutchins said, I don't want him back. He found another place on Bonnie Bray. I know where the street is. I've been there before. I'm a California boy down in Los Angeles. Right, It was a street right next door to California Lutheran Bible School. And he talked in the front. They had a, a deck out in the front, and he spoke from there, and people began to come. He still hadn't experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in his life, but the people started to come. And they were having a good time. We wouldn't call it revival, but there were people that were coming from the neighborhood and around and had services until the porch collapsed. And then they had to find another place. And somebody said, <clears throat> there's a dilapidated building. It's in the poorest section of town, the industrial part, east of here. It's 312 Azusa Street. Wow. <laughs> and it's a little smelly because it's been used uh, for, as a stable. Horses have been there. It's a dirty floor. Dirt floor. Uh, dirt floor and flies. But you might want to give it a try. He was filled with the Holy Spirit on Friday. And on April 14th, I'm getting goosebumps now, 1906, William began to preach at 312 Azusa Street. And the people began to come. And as they came, God showed up and began to touch people so that they could no longer stand. Skeptics would come, and all Seymour, Seymour was not looking for attention. In fact, he, would, he was up in the front, and he was behind two boxes, empty boxes. Sometimes they said his head was in the, the top box, just praying. He didn't lead the service. God really led the service. God gave the altar calls. He never gave altar calls. God did the altar calls. And so if, if he saw that there were skeptics out there, he would just get out of the box and say, pray, saints. And they would pray. And some, then God would deal with those people. It's a little church, 50 or 60. But here's what one Pentecostal paper wrote. Well-dressed preachers came to investigate. Yeah, they came to investigate. They came to do more than that. 
Soon their high looks were replaced with wonder, then conviction, and very often you find them wallowing on that dirty floor, asking God to forgive them. See, God was teamed up with Seymour, and they were working together, and God was doing his part, touching people that Seymour couldn't do. There would be lots of testimonies, not a, not a whole lot of teaching. There was teaching and testimonies. Remarkable healings started taking place, like blind eyes opening. It got the intention of the L.A. Times. I used to read the L.A. Times. I'm sad to say this is what the L.A. Times wrote. Meetings are held in a tumble-down shack on Azusa Street. They're right there. And the devotees of the weird doctrine practice the most fanatical rites, preach the wildest theories, and work themselves into a state of mad excitement in their peculiar zeal. Colored people in a sprinkling of white compose the congregation, and night is made hideous in the neighborhood by the howling of worshipers who spend hours swaying back and forth in a nerve-wracking attitude of prayer. Shame on them. I hope they retracted that when the attention got so much more popular than the LA Times, when it went around the world, and now 500 million people claim their heritage in the Azusa State Revival. God was doing something little that would change the picture of Christianity forever. And who did he use? a 34-year-old, one-eyed African-American. Many races started coming. This was integration at a time of Jim Crow, Jim Crow days when segregation was the thing. It was a mandate. And yet they were coming together, blacks and whites, Orientals and Hispanics, Latinos, all kinds coming together. It turned some people off, but it didn't turn Jesus off because it was his family coming together. And I'm just thrilled to think of what God did there. Unfortunately, mainline churches, what they do with it? They said, we don't want it. How long did it take for them to step into this reality of the power of the Holy Spirit and being filled to speak in tongues, speak a language you never learned? About 50 years. And then God began to do it with all kinds of people. And here's where it gets more personal. Because in August of 1961, God talked to Larry Christensen, who was my mentor. Now, the 60s in America, we're, we're living in a terrible time now. The 60s were a terrible time. Started with the Kennedy assassination, November 22nd, 1963. If you're my age or close to it, you remember where you were when that assassination took place. I was at, I know, I know the place where I was at UCLA when I heard about this assassination. And then you've got the Vietnam War that we didn't know if we wanted to fight. It went on for 20 years, took out 58,000 of our fighters. It's estimated that that many committed suicide when they came home because they found out that they weren't heroes. They were killers. 
who killed 817,000 of them. It was a war we didn't know we wanted to fight. Unlike World War II, my father-in-law wears a, a hat, and he's a hero. They weren't heroes. And so it was a terrible decade, two decades, fighting that war. And then you had Timothy Leary from Harvard University telling students to turn on, tune in, and drop out. And they were dropping out by the truckloads. They showed up at San Francisco, Haight-Ashbury, ever heard of it? Haight-Ashbury, there, there were 100,000, it's estimated, that showed up. And their motto was, make love, not war. So it was a terrible decade. There were lock-ins and lock-outs. There were, there were student body, uh, not student body, uh, college presidents who were locked in. And there were students who were locked in. There were uh, presidents who were locked out. So <clears throat> it was a hard time, but God was pouring out his spirit one at a time all over the country and all around the world. Larry Christensen went down to this service. He had some free time, and so he went down to Bethany Foursquare Church, which was down the street from Trinity, little church. They had some former Lutherans there who were talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Larry went up for prayer, came home, woke up at midnight and spoke in tongues for 10 seconds and went back to sleep. He didn't know that Nordis was awake and wondered if his, her husband was going crazy. What Larry didn't know, that God was doing that around the country and around the world, one at a time, touching people with his spirit, filling them because he was going to use them to accomplish great things. We call it the, the charismatic renewal or charismatic movement. It was in the 60s, God looking down on this terrible decade and saying, here's what I'm going to do. And so he touches Herb Muirut over here, and he touches Dennis, Dennis uh, Bennett in Van Nuys, California, and he touches people over here, men and women and children, all around the country, all around the globe, bringing them together, and it mushrooms into a powerful, life-giving uh, surge into the church of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he does something in the 70s because all these kids were uh, dropping out. And I suspect you had 500,000 parents and grandparents crying out for their children whom they lost, who were on drugs, psychedelic, remember? On drugs and uh, quitting their jobs and their, their statement was, make love, not war. And so you've got all these parents crying out to God. So what does God do? He talks to Kay Smith. Kay Smith is the wife of Chuck Smith. And Kay says, of Calvary Chapel. Calvary Chapel. Kay, Kay says, you need to open your doors to these pot-smoking, barefoot, guitar-toting, long-haired long hippies. And he said, I think you're right. 
so he opens the door, and that church of 65 moves. If, if you're my age, you know the song, Little Country Church on the Edge of Town. Do -do 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 -do. People coming, traveling from miles around for teaching and for Sunday school. And it's very plain to see it's not the way it used to be. Long hair, short hair, coats and ties. People come to praise the Lord. Looking past religion straight into the eyes. People come to praise the Lord. And they began coming to this little country church. And Chuck Smith would lead them to Jesus. My friend Ken Gullickson was one who worked there. He was a part of the team. Lonnie Frisbee, off drugs, and would do altar calls. Then they'd take him down to Newport Beach where we swam and baptized him, a hundred at a time. And that little country church of 65 grew to 25,000. What happened? God did something with a little no, unknown person named Chuck Smith because he listened to his wife and he opened the door and God was pouring out revival. So exciting. Chuck wanted my dad to come and be on his team because he knew my dad was a pastor. Chuck wasn't a pastor. He was a leader. And he needed people to do the pastoring. My, my dad chose not to do it, but uh, that would have been interesting. <laughs> I was up at Camp Seeley, 1962. Larry, Larry, I think, was there. And God was pouring out his Holy Spirit at that camp. And I asked the dean, Pastor Alan Hansen, I said, would you pray for me uh, to be filled with the Spirit? And he said, sure. How about if we do it tomorrow? I wasn't a pushy kid, but I said, I'd really like to do it tonight. Tonight was 10 o'clock. The adults had gone to bed. The kids were still up, as you probably can figure. We were still up. And so he said, okay, I'll do it tonight. And I rounded up. There were 20 of us, and we walked to the edge of the camp, and Alan spoke to us about the Holy Spirit. And then he prayed for us. It was real quiet. I mean, he just put his, touch, touch, put his hands on us and prayed for us. We had Pentecost. It was Pentecost. God poured out his spirit and touched us. That's what God was doing around the country for little people in little places, pouring out his spirit in response to the prayers. And then the Jesus movement, that the epicenter was right there in Orange County, but it touched the, it touched the globe. When I was in uh, Norway and Denmark, they told me about what was happening there, the same kind of stuff. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop here. Uh, lots of stories. I, what I'll do is I'll put them out in a, in a blog so that you can uh, hear them. Let me remind you now what God does. 
Revival is meant to move toward vival. Revival doesn't, doesn't last. We're not on revival mode all the time. But when there's struggle, when there's need, when there's desperation, when there's hardship, when we're, when we're wanting to see God move, when we're wanting to see God heal, we haven't seen it, we pray, God, bring revival. Bring your power. Let us see it. Let us taste it. So that we know that it happens all the time, not once in a great while. That's what we're saying now. And so we're having meetings November 7th and 14th at Redeeming Love Church. Would love to see people from Liddy House come. Join with us. We'll be doing teaching. We'll be doing ministry. Why are we doing this? I'm not sure. I'm not real sure. But I sense, Nate senses, that we're stepping in to a God who's opening the door to bring life like we want to see it, like we all want to see it. And so we're saying yes, and we're, we're not saying we're the end. We're not saying that we're doing it and they're not doing it. I, I know Josh Lindquist. I bless him what he's doing, Charles Karuku. I bless what they're doing. I see it on Facebook. And thank God for all the efforts of all the people. And we're going to add our little work and see what God does with it. Sound good? And we'll have worship. Yes, worship and word and, and, and ministry. And so, having talked about this now, I just want to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and touch us right where we need it. Amen. To touch us, and it may be a, a healing prayer. It may be that what I experienced in 1962, I knew when Alan came around and put his hand on my shoulders that God was at work. It, it wasn't real emotional, but I, it, God gave me confidence that if I opened my mouth, it wouldn't be in English. And I was a high school senior, and I opened my mouth, and there it was. That was a lot of years ago. I was 18, now I'm 76, do the math, it's, it's a few years ago. And now my longing increases now. God, do that all over. Do that in churches that are dead. Do that among your people to arouse them. Bring people, lost people to yourself. And so, God, we thank you that you're stirring at Lydia House. You're stirring in people here giving them a longing for more than what we are experiencing now, giving them a confidence that you use little people in little churches in little places to do phenomenal things, and we are co-workers with you. So we choose today to say, can we co-work with you, God? Can we work together with you to see things happen here in this city? Since, since December 2014, I've been praying for the Twin Cities, for Minnesota, for the country, for the world, to experience the power of God like we've never seen before. I'm confident that we're at the door. I'm confident we're going to be seeing it in the weeks ahead, in the months ahead. And so join with me in that confidence in God. And Father, would you pour out your spirit on any who, who really are saying, I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. If you're in that place where I was, where I was hungry, knew I didn't have the power in my life, and asked, Alan just put his hand on me. 
I'd love to put my hand on you. Doesn't have to. God can do it uh, without me touching you. And he gave me a language of praise. I use it more now than I used it then. So God, even now, even now, would you be touching people? Yes. Touch us. Touch little Lydia House. Give us the fire of your Holy Spirit. And for any here who are saying, I want that. I want the fire of God within me. I want to speak a language that I've never learned. Would you be so kind as to touch them now? I'm just going to begin speaking in tongues. And I invite the, the, those of you who do to speak in tongues. And if you're new at this, you could just step into it. Shodadadadapanjara. Be bold now. Be bold. Say yes. Step in. Doesn't matter what you say. Just go for it. I'm just going to stick around after up here. If anybody want to want to connect with me personally on this, be more than welcome to do so. God loves humble people people who are just open to his holy will and want to be used by him in this season to do, yes, mighty exploits. I just wanted to add a prayer. Lord, we uh, know, and as you know, all the people that are in Washington, D.C. right now, and there's fasting and prayer going on Thank there. And uh, we love uh, to see uh, these kind of things going on where... Uh, they're making a statement, and a, a big thing is happening, just like it did a, a couple um, weekends ago. And yet, Father, we've heard this word today now, that you use little people too. You use even our little church and our little prayers. But we have been crying out to you, and we will continue to cry out to you. And we thank you, Father, for this day, Reformation Day. Yes. Reform and renew us, revive us in Jesus' name for your glory. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to speak the benediction over you. As I've told you many times, we don't do this just as a liturgical way to end a service. We do this because God said, put my name on my people. Let them walk in my name and my confidence and my strength. And so there really is a transaction. Something happens when we receive a blessing from God. It changes us. So you open your heart to it now. As I speak these words to you, the Lord bless you 
and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Grace, that's so wonderful to have. The Lord look upon you, get this, with his favor. What could be more wonderful than having God look on us and give us his favor and give you his peace? That's the result of all this, peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.